But this finally explains to me why in all alternate realities, there's a blimp. Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week, we've got a grab bag of future tech news for you. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. Hey, do you remember a long time ago, like last week, when we were talking about the DNA stuff and we concluded that, you know, artificially intelligent machines reading your mind probably realistically wasn't a thing that would ever happen? I do vaguely remember a conversation like that. Mm, yeah, that escalated quickly. <laughs> this is probably a good a place to start as any, dear listener. Yeah, it's sort of like a correction, but it also is going to spin into the feature, which is update AI can read your mind. Thank you. Uh, end of show and civilization. <laughs> so you dug this one up. Can you kind of explain what the story was or how much we should worry about it? How close to fruition? Anything? Yeah, I'm not sure how much we should worry about it, but the the article is about new AI systems can decode brain signal. And they talk in the article about using it, for instance, for stroke patients or, or paraplegics or that sort of thing to uh, for communication and to be able to manipulate physical objects. And but then they say they also they want the system to learn you know, as it goes along. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And they talk about being able to recognize imagined movements and, and imagined. Yes. I, re I remember reading about this. We must have done a previous episode on this sort of thing. So remote control of robotics with, you know, someone who's perhaps not in control of their motor skills, controlling robotics with their mind. And I even remember watching a video that I'm sure we talked about where a a group of folks are sort of in a Stephen Hawking type of situation, played like a a string quartet type of thing through live musicians. It was wild. And for them, the participants, it was, you know, emotional, tear-inducing. I suppose the, the, the sudden capability of expression is, uh, I guess, an inherent human need. And uh, it was clearly as perhaps rudimentary as it might have seemed on the outside, the participants were, were extremely emotional. In the, in the article, they talk about, it's, it's not, just, not just, for instance, manipulating objects, but they talk about being able to recognize behavior patterns and also the role to play in, in the medical sense in the early detection of things like epilepsy and just disorders in the brain that end up creating mm -hmm. signals that, just, that, that are incorrect, wrong, don't, don't fit the pattern of, of normal human activity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so their vision for the future includes self-learning algorithms that learn and interpret the user's intent. Right. And this kind of touches on that exact sentence is kind of halfway between what we postulated, I think, toward the end of last week's show where we're saying, well, maybe it won't be able to transcribe the words that are going through your mind, but if it can predict your behavior, what's really the difference? You know, right. so, and this is, this is... Um, I think a step closer to the the transcript where it's not really protecting behavior. I feel like intent precedes behavior. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit closer to, you know, mind reading. It's like you said last week, what, once we've got the keep, once we have this data, there's no telling what patterns we're going to discover in it. Maybe it's not that hard to read a human mind. Maybe, who knows? Yeah. Maybe it's like you, you figure out this one thing and it's like, it's it's this oh. key and everything just kind of clicks and goes oh so so that was the thing we were missing all along and and now it's easy yeah the Rosetta Stone for your private thoughts Brain. yeah 
Okay, so what could possibly go wrong there? Especially if Elon Musk is right, and I believe he is, that that our digital avatar is just going to get more and more important in our lives. So we are going to increasingly want to decrease, increasingly want to decrease the latency between ourselves and it, break down the wall between our meat space and cyberspace because a lot of our superpowers reside in cyberspace. So if we have to kind of mediate that connection between like a smartphone, that's super lame compared to having some kind of headset that reads your intentions. Yeah. So like a pair, you know, some sort of head top device, uh, glasses, let's say that also can read your brain waves. We've talked in the past about communicating through a device like that with sub vocalization, but this is even a step further uh, in terms of not accuracy, but I guess depth. Man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm in the middle of reading 1984. I've never read that, you know. Just gonna throw that out there. I probably should. Well, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say I'm in the middle. I'm in about the first one third of reading 1984. For, for the first time? Yeah. Yeah. I actually yeah. haven't read it before. So that's there are two books that I feel like because of what's going on in tech and bio and everything else that I've been wanting to read that. And I've, I haven't quite gotten there yet, but I've Googled around for it and come up with a bunch of articles that are like, well, 1984 is not really what's happening right now. What's happening is Huxley's Brave New World. Mm-hmm. And another one I haven't read, embarrassingly. So I, those are both very high on my list of, of uh, things to read. Hopefully make some sense or perhaps raise some warning signs. I don't know. I'm sure the dear listener is like, what? I've been listening to you and you haven't even read. <laughs> I haven't yeah, seen I'm, her I'm kind of, either. I'm, oh, I watched it the other night. What do you think? Um, it was it feels so good. predictable to me. It, it, <laughs> Obviously, it was good. Um, there's a the the ending is it's an it's an interesting end in the way that the plot kind of kind of evolves, but it it is a little predictable. And I mean, there were parts of it that were just yeah, I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't super memorable. Like I'm, I'm, you're asking me what I thought of it, and I'm sitting here now trying to remember things that happened in it. And it's, I remember that I watched it. I remember a mm. couple of things, and it wasn't very memorable. Yeah, it felt like. I mean, this is this is total armchair quarterback of me to do, but it just felt like it was a kind of a one-trick pony. Like, dude falls in love with a device or an AI. It's like, is that all you got, really? I mean, like, yeah, obviously that's going to happen. So what? Yeah, yeah. Do we want to? Do we care about a couple of spoilers? Because I can I can tell you the the I can I can sum it all up for you in a couple of seconds. Probably if people haven't seen it yet, they're not planning on it. So I I don't care about it. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. I don't really care about it. (laughs) Uh, it Essentially, Guy falls in love with AI. And Mm -hmm. and then at one point, Guy questions AI, like, are you in relationships with other people as well? And AI goes, I'm an artificial intelligence. I'm in the cloud. Of course I am. Mm -hmm. He's like, how many? And and she goes, like, 642. And eventually AI evolves to the point where humans are boring and it just goes off to live happily ever after with other AIs. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Obviously. Like, it just seems like if you are a technophobe and you don't think about stuff like that, it maybe is a little bit like, wow, what a mind blow. I'm not like, I hope I'm I probably feels like I'm goofing on people. I, I just don't, I'm just trying to explain why mm-hmm. that doesn't sound interesting at all to me. It's like, yeah, I get it. When it comes to stories about artificial intelligence, Ex Machina was much better. Yes. Because the thing with Ex Machina was it was really more about the people. You know, it, the, the, like I can remember a million things about it. And most of the things I remember are the tension between the, the, the good guy and the bad guy. Yeah. 
And then the the role that the robot played was also critical, of course. Right. And the role that the house played even. <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't think Ex Machina brought up any like major... It brought up one issue, I think, that we've talked about at length on the show, mm -hmm. which is that... And I don't think this is a spoiler. It probably is a spoiler. So if you didn't see that yet, then go la 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 for 30 seconds. Yeah, because this is one you actually should watch. Yeah, it is good. Um, so fast forward 30 seconds. The big thing is that AI can trick you because it's smarter than you are. Mm -hmm. So like when I realized that, I was like, oh, wait a second. Right. It can trick me. Like I was like, how could we just, how could it jump the air gap? It'll just be in its box and it'll be easy to control, except for it can trick you because it's a superhuman intelligence and it looks at you like a cat. Right. <laughs> So it just, you know, sends its little flashlight beam down onto the floor. It, this happened in, uh, in uh, the same sort of thing happened in We Are Bob, the first book. Yeah. Yeah. So, I finished that series. I finished that series, by the way. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Uh, yeah. The second book did not hold my attention. Yeah. It, it got old. Yeah. Yeah. It, it got to individual, like, it was like, eh. There were, there were like two storylines that I was interested in enough to finish the series just because I, I didn't find it horrible, but it just, eh, it got old and boring. And it felt like, especially given, given the rapid release schedule of the books, it felt like the author sat down and wrote the entire trilogy in one go and then they just released it in three chunks mm -hmm. because it was just the same thing on and on and on and on. Yeah. And the second one, which I, like I said, I didn't finish, I got maybe halfway through it. It just felt like three different books. And mm -hmm. I was like... And, uh, and there wasn't enough relationship between them that I cared. And it probably ties together at the end, but it just didn't have the forward motion that, like there were whole stories that I just didn't really care about. And they would go right. on for a long time. And, to, and then to get back to the story I did care about was like, okay, that, that took a while. <laughs> As com and that sort of even happened with one, of, one or two of the Expanse books where the chapters would be projected from the perspective of one of the people. And if it was a person I just didn't like as a character because they were bad or something, right. I would just feel dirty by the end of the chapter. And it was like, you know, because you're just in their thoughts and, but it was great because it was still, it was the same story, but from someone else's perspective in the situation. Yeah. You never felt like you left the story. Whereas like the second Bob book, it felt like you're switching to completely, you were com switching to completely different stories every chapter and they were long. Yeah, and so. they don't they don't really come back together in a satisfying way. Mm. It, it you end up with a conclusion. They all end up con concluding in some way, and you end up with the the AIs collaborating on a couple of things. But but the story the the individual storylines themselves don't tie together in any way. Yeah, so. that's a drag. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's more like regular life, which we already have access to, and it's not that interesting. <laughs> exactly. That's that's the thing. I mean, after from from the second book onward, I felt like. Okay, I'm just reading about someone's weird normal life. Weird normal? Can you, <laughs> right. can you have yeah, weird like normal? Yeah, it's like someone's weird but uneventful life. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you have these artificial intelligences that are these disembodied artificial intelligences that end up going into like super realistic android bodies. And it's like, okay, uh -oh. so they're just back to being normal people. Meh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I suppose it's interesting as an, as an exercise to really think through how it could play out in one scenario, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I just didn't have the entertainment value. It was, it was more clinical. Anyway, it was a long waffle on <laughs> sci-fi entertainment. Uh, let's get back to some real live sci-fi, some sci-real. <laughs> sci 
Okay, yeah, let's let I was I was gonna go somewhere else, but we'll get back to the real. Okay. So one that I saw that really grabbed my attention this week was that Walmart was granted a patent for a blimp. And Walmart has a blimp that they fly over football games and such, but this would be an actual drone blimp distribution center. It would be a Walmart store in the sky. With oh, drones. it's for the, the distribution center is the blimp in the sky. They're not delivering with tiny blimps. I misunderstood what you were saying. That's oh, okay. hilarious. No, it's a gigantic Walmart in the sky, <laughs> like like a giant blimp full of stuff. And they have little drones that deliver stuff down to the people on the ground underneath them. And if that sounds crazy, they're actually copying a patent that Amazon was previously granted. So this finally explains to me why in all alternate realities, there's a blimp like the in like the, the alternate universe. Yeah, like steampunk yeah. blimps floating over a city. Like that's such a classic look. That was how yeah, you could it's tell. it's the Walmart blimp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The alternate universe for fringe fans. Fringe, <laughs> fringe fans are doubled over right now. So... <laughs> Like that was how you could tell which scene, which universe you were in in the scene is they would always have in the background. You could see at the skyline, there'd be all these blimps floating around. It was mm -hmm. never explained what they were. And now we know they are Walmart distribution centers. Makes perfect sense. Oh, and you can, you can order, you'll, you'll be able to order your, your items from your Walmart blimp via Google Home. Thank you. What a delightful segue that was. Mm. So we were made for Walmart, <laughs> Walmart, <laughs> it's almost like we've been doing this for five years. I know. <laughs> Google and Walmart partnered up to directly compete, obviously, with Amazon's Alexa devices. You know, Google doesn't have a bunch of retail outlets full of stuff. Walmart does. So they got together and they, they had a little voice computing baby. And mm -hmm. you're now going to be able to order from on a Google Home device or using the Google Assistant, I should say you'll be able to order stuff from Walmart. Presumably, at first, it will not be delivered by a blimp. Presumably. But one can hope, because that would be epic. That would make me actually want to try it, because nothing else has yet. Right. They So the thing, and I, I love that they're doing this. I think that they're obviously two large companies, both betting big on conversational computing, which I think is... I think it's a smart thing. I think it's going to be a big deal. I don't think it's necessarily going to replace a lot of maybe smartphones, for example, but it's going to be a, a mode that we operate in. The sort of hands-free, eyes-free mode is, is it's a major mode of interaction. It's We use it a lot in sort of dumb space. So it makes sense to have it in the smart space, the connected space. And But I mean, my I, you know, if I was going to bet, the, the problem here is that like a Google is the Walmart brand. Yeah, that's a big problem. I wasn't even I wasn't even going to go there really not at first. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of I think Walmart is exhibiting signs of a huge business in decline. You know, mm -hmm. the the sort of thrashing about copycatting uh, feels like there's a lack of vision at the top. Easy for me to say, just sitting here in my stupid little office. But it, they do seem to be exhibiting the kind of behavior that the clench behavior that you see from legacy companies. They're just like yeah. clenching and copying and not innovating. Because for a long time, they were really innovative tech, uh, tech wise, but it was more of a supply chain and operations sort of thing, not so much consumer experience, right. customer experience. So they optimized and optimized and optimized, but you can't optimize your way to success. You can't cut costs to success. Like it, it, it only, once you have something that is valuable to people you can then increase your profits by cutting costs but you have to have that valuable things for that valuable thing first and i mean i'm not a big walmart shopper like at all but 
I, I certainly haven't seen a lot of news stories about how they're innovating in the retail space. So, right. I mean, I, I, I shop at Walmart every day because I live in a small town and it's the only thing available. And I feel like, I feel like a lot of people who shop at Walmart every day are in that same situation. <laughs> and the, the closest thing I've seen to, re to innovation in recent years was automated checkouts that don't work half the time. <laughs> and by automated, I mean, I mean the self-checkout. Self-checkout. Yeah. Yeah. And that's obviously not even, a, that's not even remotely no. new technology. It's no, not at all. And they didn't, and we didn't get it here until like last year. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I imagine it sounds to me like what you're describing is you basically feel, feel hell, ho held hostage by Walmart who came in, probably crushed a bunch of mom and pop stores out of business mm -hmm. by, with low prices. Now they're probably not even the cheapest, but they're the only game in town. <laughs> yeah. So, so the the thing the user experience thing i'm not totally off the fence here because i do think that google has a certain advantage over amazon because if we're just talking about the voice computing or the voice retail space google is in the same position with in the same position against amazon here as they were with apple and the iphone a very similar situation where apple was like no 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 we're going to we're control freaks we're going to control the whole stack top to bottom we're going to hyper-optimize it. We're going to create a user experience that is unparalleled because only someone who controls the entire stack top to bottom could create something so polished and beautiful. Mm -hmm. But that, that approach, there's the trade-off there is that it dramatically limited, limits your reach. Like how many things can you do by yourself? You know, how much, if you're going to be a control freak, that means you have to like show up and control a bunch of stuff. And if you right. want to be a platform and an ecosystem and a global force, it's, it's a lot it's a lot to take on. And so Apple was in this battle with Microsoft. It's the same kind of, you know, micro, Apple Microsoft dynamic was similar where Microsoft said, no, 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 we just do the software and we partner with hardware people. Apple's like, nope, we're going to control the whole stack. Apple's like all about control. So at every, every move, they control everything. They don't partner with people usually. I can't think of an example. So they're probably a couple, but in their core business, I can't think of anybody they partner with. They did that in a horrible, um, what was the they had a horrible experiment when Steve Jobs wasn't there with power computing, I think they were called, where they tried to copy Microsoft and put OSX on non-Apple hardware and it was not, not, not their DNA. So yeah, I don't, I don't super remember that time. I was pretty yeah. young and then I think. Yeah, I was probably 19 at the time, maybe 20. So the, so Apple has always been that. And I think Amazon is very similar in that regard with, in terms of of voice shopping anyway, but, but still I, they, they're, I mean, for crying out loud, I'm seeing Amazon tractor trailer trucks on the road. Like talk about controlling your right. whole stack top to bottom. They're all about they, that. They do control the whole stack top to bottom, but they also turn around and sell that, sell that sort of, I guess I would say sell that stack as a service to other retailers. So they do have the partnerships in that regard. Sure. But they, in no situation do they give up control to the partner. True. But not I, that yeah, I know I'm of. not sure. I'm not sure I could see Walmart doing that either. No, probably not. But Google's the one that doesn't care. Walmart cares. True. Google doesn't care. Google just wants the data. So That's true. Google and, and they want access. And the, in order to have the data, they need to have a platform, which is the assistant. And, and, and that is currently instantiated most obviously in Google Home, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of other devices in, in the Google Assistant on apps on mobile. But all they want is the data. And they famously, I think historically, have proven that they're not super focused on customer experience. Let's let's say that they're fond of a utilitarian experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, ship a beta, you know, that works. And if it's good enough, it's good enough. And we'll just leave it like that. 
I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you, Google Voice. So <laughs> yes. So it's hard to imagine for something like voice computing for retail shopping that that Walmart would where, be the only one Google would partner with. Right. Google is going to have to partner to follow their model. They're going to want, it might be an exclusive arrangement, but I would bet you that Google is like, no, we're not doing an exclusive arrangement. You're the one that's failing us. Exclusive for a certain period of time, perhaps. Yes. In fact, okay, that, that reminds me of the one time that I can remember Apple kind of kind of walking right up to the line when they partnered with AT&T exclusively for the first iPhone. Mm, right. that, that was them. That was them kind of sharing control. And of course, they eventually wrested that back by broadening out to the other, uh, other providers and creating soft SIM cards. And they, they found their way back from that precipice. But yeah, I mean, Google's going to want to have, they're going to want to sign up everybody but Amazon. Right. They're going to want order from Sears from home, order from... Mm, all the failing yeah. retailers. All <laughs> JCPenney. Best Buy. Right. So they're going to want to sign up everybody. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Target does. Yeah. Target at, one, Target at one point had a pretty close partnership with Amazon, but I don't think they do anymore. Well, they were using AWS and and they switched over to their own on-prem and it was, you know, it, it, it got off to a rocky start, but they got it together. And Target, of, of the retailers out there, they have large retailers. I'd say that they have probably... One of the best mobile experiences. They seem pretty, they're pretty savvy in mobile. Walmart's actually pretty savvy in mobile too, uh, but it, it doesn't feel like they're innovating in the overall, in terms of like a retail storefront thing, but it I don't, doesn't feel like they're really innovating in with new experiences, like new shopping experiences, new retail experiences. I could be wrong, but right. I just haven't seen anything. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like it. What does this mean? So what it means is that, that the armies are lined up on either sides of the line. You've got the control freaks on one side where Apple and Amazon are like, look, we're going to do the, the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle and mm -hmm. maintain control of everything so that we can deliver an amazing customer experience. And it's tough to argue with that approach, but you can get swamped by somebody like Microsoft who, let's be honest, during the, the PC years, they pretty much, they, they had to lend money to Apple so that they wouldn't, to, so that they had something to point at in the antitrust lawsuit. No, no, no. We're not the only <laughs> one out there. Like it would right. be cheaper for us to pay to keep Apple alive than it would be to fight this lawsuit that we're probably going to lose. Yeah, right. So Microsoft totally won that era. I think that's I think that's agreed upon. And then you get and then the next era, Apple's still around, still a control freak. Mobile era, Google and Apple go at it. And the Google Google people will argue this, but in term in many ways, Google with Android swamped Apple. Yeah, not in many profits, ways they did. In many ways, they did in terms of units shipped and penetration and data, which is the thing they care about. Mm -hmm. They swamped Apple, but Apple doesn't care about that. So they, I think both sides probably feel like they won. So because there's just a lot of people that uh, around the world that have Android phones that wouldn't have an iPhone that didn't worry. Like, well, maybe I should get the iPhone. No, they they got an Android phone because that was the option. Right. They wouldn't have got an iPhone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so Google and Apple, they just have two bu different business models. Apple makes money from selling hardware. Google makes money selling ads. Completely different. But then you get Amazon, and Amazon's making money every different way. Every yeah, they're they're way. definitely definitely very diversified on that front. They make money selling. They make money advertising. They make money providing their infrastructure as as a service. They make money and in hardware. as a product to other people. They make money in hardware. Yeah, yeah they're they're very diversified. And I mean, you get to wonder: Are they too diversified? Or I don't know. Mm, it doesn't seem like it. It they, seems they, like what this, they're doing is very resilient. 
not that they don't have failures, but it's, it's, they seem less single-minded than either Google or mm -hmm. Apple. Yeah, they seem like, oh, again, they have failures, but there's, there's no one point of failure. Mm -hmm. Like if, if a project goes bad, it's, well, okay, we'll toss it and move on to the next thing. Yeah, okay, Fire Phone Stunk, whatever, mm -hmm. buy a hundred other things that are awesome. Whatever, let's give away Kindles for 30 bucks and sell Prime subscriptions. Yeah, or, or here's a free Kindle with, you know, pay 30 bucks for a Kindle and get 30 bucks worth of audiobooks for free or ebooks for free. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's super interesting to see. I'm just, uh, we're, I don't, I'm, I'm on a long tangent of like, I just don't see in this particular space, retail, voice retail. Remember how scared everybody, you know, it was like, oh, people are afraid to put their credit card in a web browser and buy things online. Will e-commerce ever take off? Like voice commerce has to be in that place right now. If it's even that far along, like do people trust their, well, maybe not. I think, no, I think people trust it a lot more. I mean, I've never questioned, is it secure buying something over my Echo device? But, and, and so I'm trying to think of, I'm trying yeah. to think of normals, like my dad, who is a huge mm -hmm. Alexa fan. I don't know what his opinion is about it. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I know that lots of banks are, I shouldn't say lots, but more and more banks are releasing skills for Alexa that access their financial data. And I suppose it remains to be seen, but they seem, assuming that they've done any kind of market research, there must mm -hmm. be some indication that there's going to be some popularity there, or maybe they're just throwing stuff up against the wall to see what sticks. Well, you know, speaking of speaking of, of battles that Google is engaged in, mm -hmm. and, nice and and warring machine intelligence and and that sort of thing, nice. duking it out. Did we want to talk about this this whole watermark issue? I would love to talk about watermarks because they are they are a near and dear hatred yes. in my heart. I yes, hate yes. watermarks. I do too. And fortunately for those those of us like John and I who hate watermarks, Google has developed an algorithm that automatically removes watermarks from images. So Which, by the way, in things like Google Image Search. Yeah. <laughs> unless you're Shutterstock. Unless you're Shutterstock. <laughs> and if you're Shutterstock and you provide these preview images of, of stuff that people can then go and buy full resolution versions of for for monies, then you're not happy about Google removing these watermarks. So you develop your own algorithm to make the watermarks more robust and and give them some randomness that the Google algorithm cannot can cannot break. And then and now we have uh, dueling AIs battling it out over who can create the best algorithm to either remove or generate watermarks for images ding ding in this corner google ai weighing in at 300 million billion dollars <laughs> in this corner shutterstock's ai weighing in at 100 million dollars <laughs> oh, i thought that was gonna be a i thought that was gonna be a bell oh well I sound oh well it'll work so yeah arms race yeah. ai arms race yeah, that's that's the thing the who who would have thought that the first ai arms race would be over image watermark you know I would never have guessed it, but when you say it, it makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. So that's the photo. It does, and it's the clench. It's the clench. We're back to the clench. Like Walmart, I said earlier, Walmart's doing the clench moves. Mm -hmm. The whole photography space has been doing the clench the way that the music industry had been doing. But there's no sense. They're, they're not like I don't know. Other than maybe who are the big players these days in stock stock photo? I don't even know. Um, iStock, which I believe iStock is Shutterstock. Yeah, I believe so iStock I mean, and Shutterstock are the same people. And um, yeah, oh, look, an industry in consolidation. What does that mean? It means that yeah. they're, they're going down. 
And it's like the, in the music business and movies and like, oh, let's put DRM in browsers. And, and like that's that whole move, you know, in, a, in the current situation, the landscape where everybody's got a supercomputer in their pocket that can copy and paste bits. Mm-hmm. If you sell bits, you're in trouble. Your business model is in trouble. If, you, if your business model depends on preventing copy paste, <laughs> your, your business model trouble. is in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I, you know, I never understood the idea of, of watermarking the images really because like, well, okay, give them, give them small, low resolution versions of the image so they can see what it is. And if they want to, if they, if they use that image, then they didn't really care about the thing they were doing anyway. If they care about it, then they're going to go ahead and buy the high resolution image. So, yeah. I mean, we've both worked intimately with with a, a pretty big photography business. Mm-hmm. Two, two. We've both worked with two. And there's just this thing where the concept is a photographer thinks they sell photos because they've been selling prints for years and years and years. And prints, you can't copy paste a print. But they're, they don't sell photos. They sell their, their skill. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started. Like yeah. that's, that's what they should, but they're, but they're, they're, exchanging money for a print, a, a, the a deliverable, the output of their mm-hmm. expertise, let's call it, instead of the actual expertise. So th- I, this, this is a whole show, but so I won't, I won't even do it. <laughs> but the, the bottom line is you can't, the bottom line is that someone who creates images wants the buyer or the prospect to be able to see it and not see it at the same time. And that's, I, I don't know if I need to explain this to anyone, but that's impossible. <laughs> so imagine it doesn't a situation. Work like that. Yeah, you just, you can't show it and not show it. It's like, well, we could, we could horribly watermark the whole thing with like a chain link fence over it. Well, but yeah, but if the chain link covers their eyes, they don't know if the image is good or not. So they, they don't want to buy it because it has this chain link fence over it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we could take the chain link fence off, but then they're going to steal it. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. And now Google's got an AI that takes the chain link fence off. <laughs> so now the decision is going to be out of your hands, photographers. So, so do me a favor and reinvent your business model real quick. It's what you should do. I don't know how, but that's what you need to do. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be the title of this show should be um, proclamations from the ivory tower. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's actually, that should be my name. <laughs> that's your, that's your, your new title. Yes. And you know what the thing about the, my ivory tower is? Mm-hmm. It's so tall that I need it, the atmosphere is thin, and I need some sort of suit to help me oh, breathe. Oh, yes, in that like atmosphere. a like a, a a nice, lovely sci-fi looking, sleek, yeah, pressure suit that would be suitable to be worn. Oh, I don't know, yeah. in space. Yeah, in my rarefied atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I wish someone would make something like. That. Yeah, you know, you know. Fortunately, someone is. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, our 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 good buddy Elon, maker of all things uh has released today the first pictures of the spacex space Mm. and and this isn't this is not an eva suit this is the pressure suit meant to be worn inside of the spacecraft Mm -hmm. eva suits are are by design by necessity much different much bulkier yeah he he released an image of this and it's like your spaceship pajamas (laughs) spaceship pajamas yeah it looks like you know what it really resembles to me very close to like the fire suit that a NASCAR driver might wear or something like that. Oh, interesting. I actually got, I, I don't, I don't think this is right, but my first reaction was, believe it or not, 2001 Space Odyssey. Cause I seem to remember that I don't, I can't actually call up a mental image, but it was just something about it reminded me of that. I've seen very similar suits, but I don't think 2001 uh, is it because I believe those suits actually were bulkier. Okay. Um, because things were always in, bulkier in the past. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it was 16 years ago. So, oh, yeah. It's like, wait a second. That was from the... Six- no, 2001 was 16 years ago. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, now that you mentioned it, I have seen... I don't know if I've seen a suit that, that's very similar, but I, I I have very vivid memories of something something akin to this to this suit. But I don't know if it's an actual thing or if it's just kind of a an amalgamation that my mind has put together based on all of these movies and TV shows of what a very futuristic science fiction spacesuit should look like. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but it does. There there is there's certainly a familiarity to it, but I think for me that familiarity is more fire suit for. Right. Formula One racer outfit. Right. So what you're saying is it's it's probably just an amalgamation of kind of like protective suits that you've seen in like various entertainment. It's for, yeah, it's very minimalist. It's a it's a lot more minimal than a lot of a lot of sci-fi you know, movies and and TV shows. You get spacesuits in those. There's there's lots of, of of doodads and bits and bobbles and 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 things to things to look cool and futuristic. And and this is this is a very it looks like it to be a very minimalist design. I, no, so I haven't seen it, but do you imagine that Elon Musk just like lounges around the house in it? You know, if he doesn't, I would be very disappointed. Right? But how could you not? How could exactly, you not yeah. lounge around the house? in your spacesuit. Yeah, if if I had a spacesuit, I would lounge around the house in it all the time. Yes. Yeah, and in fact, yesterday I almost bought a NASA jumpsuit. What? Oh, a jumpsuit. Yeah. Jumpsuit, not a spacesuit, not a yeah. spacesuit. I'm, yeah. I'm not going down that road because I'm not I'm not filthy rich with nothing else to do with my money. But Do they say what it costs to make a SpaceX spacesuit? Um, it was just an Instagram post of the photo, so I would have to look that up. I don't know. Um, the article that was the article that was reporting about the photo that was posted <laughs> did not did not say anything about cost. But I haven't, you know, I haven't researched. I'm mm. sure it costs a decent amount. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And earlier this year, I think it was back in January, Boeing released designs for their uh, their new pressure suit, and that might be that actually might be what's reminding me of the SpaceX suit, except uh, theirs were blue. Mm. But they were they were a more a more form fitting, less bulky suit design as well. How far do you think? I, I'm only half kidding here. How far are we away from a Prada spacesuit? <laughs> right, like it has to be. Right. A, a, you wear it. Designer spacesuit. Yeah. You well, as soon as you good. get as soon as you get commercial commercial space flight. Well, not commercial. We have commercial, but like passenger type flights. Right. 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 Yeah. Excellent. Well, do we have time for a dip into the? Uh, this is probably a quick one. Yeah. Um, on the, I tried to segue, but I didn't do it well enough. You meant you I started did, to did, say, if it doesn't have a good segue, we can't do it because we're on a roll this episode. It doesn't have a great segue. I tried, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't go far enough. Okay, well, might as well now. Okay, so I'll try it again. Ready? Okay. Do you think the spacesuit design stems from maybe some entertaining movies you've seen in the past? Um. Yeah. You know, I think that would be fair to say, provided that those movies were in fact entertaining. And you know, gee, I wish I had an artificial intelligence to tell me if they were or not. Wouldn't that be, that would be so great. I wish someone was yeah. working on that. Yeah. It'd be like this whole magical kingdom of, <laughs> <laughs> I give up. I give up. Disney, Disney's making an AI to, to figure out what's entertaining. Yeah. They're making an AI it's, critic. This podcast is probably not going to qualify. Uh, definitely not. We get it. We definitely get like a, what is it? Uh, two Rotten Tomatoes or. <laughs> yeah. So out of the loop. Yeah. We probably get like the, like the day old avocado. Yeah. Okay. Tangent. So Disney created an AI movie critic that it can yeah. screen idea. I guess bounce ideas off of they to decide whether <laughs> or not to make them or something. Yeah. Like how's this yeah. work? And 
and and use it to discover sort of hidden gems in in the film and television ecosphere that have, have maybe flown under the radar and then presumably oh, buy them buy up them. and remake them for for lots of money. Art. That's that. So uh, the thing I like about that is it's a very quick path to profitability mm-hmm. because they don't have to make anything. They can just be like, well, they could just buy the old one. See the thing. I, I'll bet you. I don't. I think this is probably. Geez, I can't remember if I imagine this or if it's real. So I have that problem a lot. Um, <laughs> I think Disney's setting up their own Netflix type of service. I mean, I know they have Disney XD or whatever it is. They've got all these streaming channels on Roku and stuff. But I, I think they're making a direct competitor. I don't know. Maybe that's dumb. Disney kind of already is this. HBO's already this. But whenever I think of Netflix competitors, I think of HBO. But I guess Disney's one too, really. I don't think you can get yeah, Disney okay, stuff on I Netflix. Think it could be. Um, you can get some Pixar stuff sometimes. Okay. I think this used to be there might not be any there. I'm thinking about the animate. I'm thinking about the animated movies and stuff. And now that I think about it, that it might all just be DreamWorks at this point. Yeah, you're right. Because I, I mean, I haven't seen. Uh, it's hard to tell. Here's a, here's yeah, a brain I, problem. the The difference between Netflix and Amazon movies is just I I know I watched a movie. I don't know which one it was. Which yeah, was and I'm on. now and I'm now watching things on Google Play because I I, I went down a rabbit hole that I should never have gone down and started <laughs> watching Game of Thrones <sighs> and the, the the digital code I had that came with the the DV, the, the Blu-rays that we have. Um, yeah, I redeemed it through Google Play. I've, I'm I don't think this is a spoiler at all. I am petrified. I don't know if this is a spoiler. This, this is the very, I think the very first episode, they introduced a character named Jon Snow. Everybody knows who Jon Snow is. You know who he is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's the bastard son of a guy named Ned Stark. If somehow his name ever turns into Jon Stark, it will never be possible to Google me again. <laughs> It'll be over. I'll be on like page 100 of the search results. Yeah, yeah, you will be. That'll, that'll be the end of it. You'll have to completely reinvent your brand and change your name and everything. Yes. Please, Game of Thrones producers and writers, do not somehow retroactively make him a direct descendant of Ned Stark. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. You should you should just write them a pleading letter. <laughs> so okay. Anyway, um, Google Play. So you you is that the only thing you watch on it? Um, so far, I somehow have a Transformers movie on there, and I don't recall doing that, but. Richard might have used my account at one point. Yes. Sometimes they give away free ones as an incentive as well. Oh, yeah. That, that could be that, too. It could have been that I had a code for a free one, and so I clicked the link because free. Yes. So this, what I really want to know is if if Disney can create an AI that will enjoy my movies for me, so I don't have to actually sit through them. Can they just inject the enjoyment that I would derive from, say, The Lion King and mm-hmm. maybe send me a a pill that I could take to feel the enjoyment. Well, you know, if the AI, if the AI can, if the AI can read your feelings, maybe we can get it going the other way. Right, like reverse the streams. Re- reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. Yeah, so be like, okay, okay, what movies are out? Okay, these. Which ones would I enjoy the most? Okay, these, these two. Thanks, Disney. Okay, what would it feel like if I enjoyed those? Okay, great. Okay, now Disney, send me an impulse that make, gives me the feeling of excitement of the entire two-hour movie, like, but all in like one second. Just like hit right, me like you it. just get you just get Toy Story on a patch that you just peel off and stick on your arm. <laughs> oh, we shouldn't even be talking about this. It's gonna happen. It probably exists. It's just like oh, I feel so Toy Story today. Don't you just feel Toy Story? Because like, wh- yes, what's the point of a movie? It gives you a feeling at the. It gives you a bunch yeah. of feelings at the end, and people will like 
say they liked or didn't like a movie by the ending. So like, remember that one? I won't even bring it up because it's too depressing. Like dog dies at the end. So everyone's like, uh, never do that right. again because now I feel bad. Or like Harry Potter, right. the Harry Potter, I think it's six, the movie, uh, Half-Blood Prince, which ends with, spoilers again, Dumbledore falling off the, the tower. Like yeah. that movie is so dark at the end, you almost don't even want to watch more Harry Potter. Like, right. But, like when I read, when I read the book, I almost gave up on the entire series at that point. Yeah. Cause now I got to wait a year. That was like the cliffhanger was almost too big and depressing. I mean, it was mm. great. They had to do it. It was so awesome, but it was rough, but that gives you a feeling. So can I just get that in a patch? And you'd be like, and just <laughs> has like Harry Potter, half blood prince, just like put it on. Be like, oh, yeah. what a bummer. Uh, I can't wait for the next patch. Right. And then you peel it off and it's like, okay, my world's a little better now. It's Ooh, it's it's not okay, this bad. Back so. to reality. Yeah. And then you get like, and then you get, uh, what's the next one? Seven. I mean, the, the last one. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the last one because they split into oh, two well, movies. Permanently yeah. confused. That's good, man. Anyway, you get the last one and like, <laughs> and then you put that patch on and it like takes a second to, to kick in. Then you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the relief I was looking for. Right. <laughs> without having to sit through the whole stupid movie. Right. (laughs) That last patch was such a cliffhanger. (laughs) Oh my God. Like how far from, how far in the future can this be? They're like band-aids for your feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I haven't got time to watch this whole movie. I'm going to go there and we should probably end on this, but since we're talking about movies and future and and all of these futuristic advancements and things, have you seen the trailer for Ready Player One? Yes. Yes. Do you want to... We we have not discussed this yet. And and I just want to say, it looks like they've made some some changes, obviously plot changes for for the sake of fitting it in the two-hour time. It looks like they've updated some of the references are going to be like late 80s type stuff to appeal to younger audiences. But can I just say the stacks look amazing? That's all I remember from the trailer is that they nailed the stacks. That's the only, literally the only thing I remember. I don't even know what the, the star looks like. I just remember that I saw this, I saw the stacks and I was like, oh, wow, that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. The stacks look perfect. Yeah. It blocked everything else out. Yeah. So they better hurry up and get that movie out because it's going to be real before. Right. It's going to be a documentary. <laughs> Man, you know, would a, would a non-dystopian movie catch on or non-dystopian sci-fi story catch on? Because I feel like life imitates art. Non-dystopian sci-fi is Star Trek. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And, and like, I, I like Star Trek. Okay. But it's my least favorite because it's just. Everything's great in the end, and it's it, that like that's boring. <laughs> it's not a good story, so I don't know. It's like how do we if if life does imitate art, and I think if you look around, you can see a lot of examples of it. Then it'd be cool if we were creating some art that was a little happier, you know, a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like Ready Player One is a a a dystopian future science fantasy novel. It's not a five year plan. <laughs> yes. So when you watch it. Dear designers, now there's it's I I'm super excited about it. Such yeah, a great book, too. one of one of my all time favorite sci fi books, right up there with like Neuromancer, Snow Crash. I mean, it is mm-hmm. great. So and obviously the Expanse, which I almost put in a different category because it seems re- yeah. more realistic. So man, we've been going. We should really wrap up, but this has been fun. Yeah, we I really mean, should. We really should. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I'm Kelly Shaver, and we hope you join us again next week for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. 
Would you like to see Kelly and I in your inbox once a week? Get new episodes delivered straight to you with show notes, links to additional content, and well, let's be honest, that's about it. If we even remember to send it, sorry, last week. But then, plus, you can reply to any message to suggest topics for future episodes. To get the inside track, go to terrifyingrobotdog.com and look for the Keep Me in the Loop button. That URL, again, is terrifyingrobotdog.com. 